move a bit quicker. Labashain scampers through and it's 100 for Manus Labashain. He'll know the job is not done, but it's a very, very good 100. This is the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. And we are in Manchester. We were thinking we might not get any play today on day four, but we did. We got 30 overs, and there was a little bit of action to talk about as well. So here we are to talk about it. My name is Josh Onafinger. I'm joined by Louis Cameron. Louis, 30 overs, what do you think? 30 more overs than I thought any of us thought we'd get today. I believe it's actually the cutoff point for uh, how whether people who bought tickets get a refund or not. I believe 30 is almost like the cutoff point exactly. Uh, and I just overheard a conversation before that they were trying to figure out whether, because the cutoff point is 30, they don't know if, you know, if you get one more than 30 or one less than 30, what oh, yeah. the actual thing, because we got exactly 30 today, I believe, a uh, bit of a gray area. So punters, if you're listening, you may get your money back, but you probably won't. And look, I don't think you deserve your money back because we ended up seeing a pretty good days, you know, a session's worth of cricket. Let's put it that way. Okay, on that note, let's get into the scores. Australia began at 4 for 113. We saw no play before lunch, but then the rain cleared after about four and a half hours. At 2.45, we got some play, and Australia, through Manus Labuschagne and Mitch Marsh, got stuck in. Uh, Manus Labuschagne started on 44. He got to a century. Mitch Marsh started on one. He was much more reserved. Labuschagne bringing up his 11th test century, his second overseas and he was pretty reserved as well when he got to the moment. He didn't really celebrate too much, knowing that the job wasn't done. Unfortunately for Australia, he fell just before the tea break to the bowling of Joe Root, caught behind by Johnny Besto after a little bit of a juggle. And Australia finished at tea on five for 214, adding 100 runs in that session. But there was no play available after the tea break as well. So we just got the middle session today, and uh, it was a good one for Australia. It was, and really good one for Manus Labuschagne, who there has been a few people note that the discrepancy between his record at home and his record away is quite significant. Got his first test century overseas last year in Gaul uh, during a loss, incidentally. Australia will be hoping that doesn't repeat itself here. Um, but yeah, that just has been, like I've never kind of thought that he looks a significantly different player away or if he you know particularly struggles against spin or seeming wickets. Remember, he came, he kind of made his mark in Test cricket in England four years ago. He played a little bit of Test cricket leading in, but this was the first time it looked like he really belonged in 2019. He made three or four half centuries. He got into the 74, kind of 80 range a couple of times, but on those kind of pitches, it was almost worth 100, um, given how tough it was to bat. In 2019, it's been a little bit easier this time around, and he hasn't quite cashed in, and that's been a surprise. But um, it was interesting at the press conference, he said that, uh, Edgbaston, his game plan at that point was a bit of a shambles and um, so kind of opening up on how this series hasn't been gone exactly to plan uh, but that it's slowly progressing and he's at the point now where he feels like his game's in really good order um, and didn't he bat beautifully today? It was a super knock for him and he looked good in the first innings as well but it was one of those ones he maybe just lost his concentration for a bit there was no signs of that today, he was really switched on, he and Marsh put on that really good stand and surprisingly for me I it was just looking through his stats. It's his 13th test against England. Only his second century. I thought he may have cashed in a bit more back in that home summer, but just his second century in the Ashes and his 11th overall. That's right. Yeah, so I think he, his other one was at Adelaide under lights, potentially, and that was well, quite a good one. A real grindeth on that one from memory. It's the, the pink ball not doing that much in the daylight hours. But, yeah, I think this is one of his – it'll end up being one of his proudest, I think. Um, he called it bittersweet. 
And I think it'll be one of his prouder innings because, um, you know, Australia were dead to rights. And I don't think they're much chance of winning this game, despite one English journalist suggesting at the press conference just now that maybe they should actually be looking at a win. Let's have a listen. If there's no rain at all tomorrow, some sort of freak happens, are you discounting the win completely? You kind of suggested that. Like, as in get a lead? Yeah. And then... What do you mean? Well, would you would is there a, can you see a situation where Australia declare tomorrow and stick England have said no. in the past no, no chance zero, okay. uh, like as in get ahead. So what are we sixty behind? Sixty behind. I mean, if if Mitch gets going, maybe if Mitch and Greeny put on an absolute unbelievable partnership. But once again, I think we're we're just going to let it play out and get bowled out when we do, and then but I don't think we're going to give England a sniff. I think that's exactly what they would like. So that pretty much sums up the match situation. Australia have Mitch Marsh and Cameron Green unbeaten in the middle. Uh, they had to face quite a lot of spin towards the end of the day there. Should we talk about that, Josh? Yes, we should. So uh, nothing was happening for England. Broad and Anderson were, they'd reverted to plan B or C. They were bowling around the wicket. They were bowling short stuff, not really their forte. And Mark Wood had had enough of a break to come back into the attack. He lined up at the James Anderson end and he was given the ball. He was at, his, at the top of his mark. And then the umpires convened and said, hang on a second, Ben Stokes. It's too dark actually now for you to bowl your quick bowlers. And so if you want to stay out here, you're going to have to bowl a bit of off spin with Mo and Ali and Joe Root in the team. And so Stokes wasn't too happy about that. And Johnny Besto also went up to the umpires and sort of made a case that the conditions hadn't changed too much. And maybe you have an opinion about it and didn't think that it had visibly changed too much to the naked eye as well. Um, but that was the case. And then we had to say, yeah, maybe a dozen or so overs of off spin at the end of the session there. Yeah, and England were fuming at it. Let's no, make no bones about that. There were a few players who kind of convened on the umpires. You said you didn't think the uh, the atmosphere or the light had changed significantly. Neither did Marcus Treskothic, who spoke to the media just before. Well, firstly, I thought we were sat on the balcony and we didn't think it had deteriorated, de- deteriorated that much um, to not allow the, the seamers to bowl. Um, obviously, the umpires out in the middle deemed it, it was too dark, so you know they've got to make that decision. It didn't feel like it from where we were, but we're 50 metres, 60 metres away from, from, the end of the bank, from the end of the pitch. So, um, And then tomorrow, if that's what we got and that's what we're given, then that's what we'll take. You know, we'll, Any opportunity we can get out in the middle tomorrow, we'll be grabbing with both hands. And that was significant, uh, all of this stuff around the, the light, because the England guys had just gotten the ball change. It kind of might have seemed like it might have been a, a tactical thing where they'd bowled a lot of bumpers in the lead into that to Marsh and Labuschagne. They didn't look particularly threatening. They even got Jimmy Anderson to bowl bumpers from the non-Jimmy Anderson end. So it kind of felt everything, it kind of felt like he was pitching the ball in the exact same spot as he would if he was bowling from the Jimmy Anderson end. That's how short they were. Uh, being dug in but I don't know if there was a method to the madness because they bashed this ball into the turf they might have bashed it out of shape and they put it through the handcuffs uh, it didn't fit and all of a sudden they got this new ball Manus Labuschagne was a bit wary of it he wanted to see this ball uh, and he got asked about what exactly he wanted to see out of this ball. Uh, Manus just wondering when you brought the uh, when they brought the new the replacement ball out there and it looked like you wanted to have a, a look at it what happened there and were you getting a few words from Ben Stokes about it? Yeah, they weren't happy. <laughs> they weren't happy that I wanted to have a look at the ball. Uh, but I just wanted to have a look at the ball because in this country it's pretty clear if you look at the ball once, you can pretty much tell straight away what it's going to do. I looked at the ball and I was like, well, this is going to swing. <laughs> and I threw it back 
And yeah, they were obviously not very happy with that. But I, I said, I said it to Ben out there. I said, oh, "Why do you want to look at the ball?" He asked me, and I said, "To see if it's going to swing." <laughs> and Jimmy Anderson went first boy bowl to me, big in swinger. So um, I think it just helps you prepare. I mean, you know what you're you're facing. It's not like I've I've been out there with a deteriorating ball that I know what it's doing. The ball before was reversing slightly, um, so. It's a brand new ball, um, and it's not a brand new ball. It's a it's a different type of ball, and and, and it, it can do anything. So, so yeah, it was just a case where uh, umpire Menon had mm-hmm. just received the ball from the box of balls from the fourth umpire, and before he gave it and threw it to the bowler, uh, Miles Lavishane actually said, "Oh, can I just have a quick look at that?" Which I'm not sure I've ever seen before in cricket, where the batter gets the first look at the ball because now obviously the umpires select the ball, not the fielding team. And uh, yeah, it, that really riled up Stokes in England as well. And it makes complete sense what Manus has just said this down. It's just like, well, I wanted to see the ball. Like I know that, you know, they're not obliged to show it to me, but I wanted to get my hands on it. Uh, and fair enough too. So he, that ball did, was swinging. I think that was kind of midway through the over before uh, they had to then bring on the spin. So it all kind of happened in a bit of quick succession. Really smart game awareness from Manus Labuschagne uh, after that because he went after Joe Root. He hit him for two sixes over wide long on and kind of realised this is a great opportunity to reduce our deficit. And Root bowled beautifully during that period, I thought. Uh, Moen Alley looked a bit uh, rusty. He's looked a bit rusty all test even despite uh, picking up a wicket in the first innings. But uh, the fact Australia got the lead down to 61, I think, is important. I think as soon as they can get into the back into the black, um, as I suppose a, a treasurer would, would describe it as. Um, Wait, is black the good or is red the good? I was thinking about this earlier. I'm pretty sure black's the good okay. and red's the bad. You don't want to be in the red. Um, no, you don't. Yeah, you want to be in the black. Yeah, I feel like we had a lot of like Labor and Liberal arguing about being back in black. This was all pre-pandemic and now we're just in red. Uh, but that's not important to people listening to the Unplayable podcast. Australia want to get back into the lead. They want to get back into the black. Uh, and Marnus kind of picking that up and taking the initiative against him, against Joe Root, was a clever way of going about it, but it did ultimately cost him his wicket, and he hit one straight to slip not long after our moment of the day. Do you want to set me up for that, Josh? Yes, certainly. Moment of the day time, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team, and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe, and you're going to tell me that the moment of the day is Joe Root with the ball in his hand. Yep, and it wasn't even the wicket ball, but it was one when Manus was in the 90s. I believe he was on 93. England had just been told to take their pace bowlers off, but Joe Root bowled an outswinger that Jimmy Anderson would have been proud of. It was the old arm ball, so the one kind of just bowled off the index finger, uh, swung away from Manus Labuschagne, got the edge, and was going so fast that it, Jack Corley didn't even see it. It nearly hit him in the head before he moved his hands. Uh, and went away and got Manus just a little bit closer to 100. But uh, the ingenuity of Root to just basically bowl an outswinger after his paceman had been taken off, I thought was really clever. And he, gee, he's a good bowler. He's a really good bowler. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, doesn't he? He's got carom balls and outswingers and leg spinners and all sorts of things. And this particular one that you mentioned, the speed gun had it at 100 k's an hour. And that, I mean, that's pretty sharp, right? If you're coming off a few steps, perfect seam up. I mean, just moved away enough. And unfortunately, if Craw- if he had have been given the heads up, Zach Crawley at slip, maybe he would have been in the game, but he just had no idea it was coming. Yeah, but I think if he kept bowling them, uh, Joel Wilson, who was wearing, <laughs> curiously wearing sunglasses for a lot of today, even yeah. though it was very dark, and he was also the one saying that uh, the light was not good enough without a light meter, 
uh, he might have asked Joe Red to be taken out of the attack if that had been the case, because it would have just been him bowling the seam up to that point, uh, and that might have been too fast for the Australians given the light situation. There was also one little half chance for Mitch Marsh when he was on 31, or right at the end of the day, actually. He was dropped by Harry Brook at short leg off Joe Root. Very tough chance, maybe just a foot off the ground. But we've seen those catches taken in the past. Will it be a moment where England will rue as we get into tomorrow, where there's going to be potentially a lot or not so much play? Saw a great one in Pakistan's test against Bangladesh, where Adula Shafiq took one exactly like that. Uh, maybe even more difficult where the batter came down the wicket and he had to take it one hand to his right, uh, fielding at short leg. You can't expect him. Gee, Josh, you're being harsh, mate. If you're calling that a chance, uh, that's pretty difficult on poor old Harry Brook, I reckon. All right, well, maybe I should uh, ease up a bit on the <laughs> short leg fielding. Uh, that's all we've got for this episode of the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. Please join us tomorrow for day five when we see if we get a result. 